Welcome back. Glad to have you. Going to be out this weekend. Looking forward to it. Road America. Getting ready for NASCAR and the Xfinity Series. Come roaring through the road course. Cannot wait. Looking forward to it. Looks like it's going to be a decent weekend. There could be some spotty showers uh, on Sunday, but it looks like it's going to be a decent weekend and excited about that. The debut of the, uh, the Big Inner Cruiser. Can't wait for that as well. Brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV, Wisconsin's fastest growing RV dealer. Uh, been back and forth in contact with our buddy Scott down there, the GM at the one in Elkhorn, and we're going to pick that up uh, probably uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, and then get it ready to go up to uh, get it ready to go up to uh, Road America. So, looking forward to that. Say hi to our friends at Cunis RV. Go to CunisRV.com. That is CunisRV.com. So, we're talking about Deshaun Watson in the last hour and the suspension, and it looks like major or uh, the NFL is going to say you're done for a year. At least that's where things are trending. So that leaves you to wonder, well, could there, would there, should there be a reconciliation between Baker Mayfield and the Browns for at least one more season? Baker Mayfield was asked if there was any chance of any reconciliation. He was at a a youth football camp in Norman, Oklahoma uh, today and said, quote, it's been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is to move on. Talking about his availability. He said uh, when asked uh, whether or not – there would be a reconciliation at all. He said, no, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out, but we're ready to move on. I think both sides are ready to move on. Mayfield also asked about not being traded away from Cleveland months after the trade for Watson. He said, quote, he got frustrated with uh, not happening before the minicamp and all of those things, but that the team's approach is out of his control, so he will just continue waiting to see what actually happens. Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs, are the other quarterbacks on the roster in Cleveland, and barring a reversal on the Mayfield front, no one um, is going to be stepping away from their position. And, you know, if Watson, uh, you know, if he is suspended by the league, uh, it looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. At least that is the thought. Now, some have said that maybe the Browns, because they don't have to pay Deshaun Watson this season because of the suspension, it's a suspension without pay, then they could make uh, a larger offer for a one-year extension, so to speak, for Baker Mayfield. And then if he comes back and shows his wares, then he could then be traded away uh, going into the offseason, especially after a season in which he's had surgery, offseason surgery, and he feels like he's going to be back at 100% because last year he was banged up. He had the uh, torn labrum and the non-throwing shoulder. He had some other issues going on. I mean, the guy was just banged up. And he feels that if uh, – or at least his side feels that if he did – do one year in the NFL kind of a prove it deal that he could then up his stock and it would benefit everybody because he get tra- gets traded away to a team that maybe he wants to go to the Browns then are able to get more for him in return and it would all work out for everybody if they all just kind of swallowed their pride but uh, neither side at this point willing willing to give an inch do you think Ben Baker Mayfield should come back I understand why he wouldn't want to. It's also, I mean, an organization that's full of dysfunction in general. Right. Like, if he can get a ticket out, I'd take it. He had, what, a new offensive coordinator every year, pretty much, mm-hmm. since he's been in the league. So if he right. could find his way to Carolina or somewhere that's not a great organization by any means, but not as bad as the Browns, yeah, I'd do that. Right. I see... I get that a lot of people say, yeah, he should probably come back for just one year and just, you know, kind of show his stuff off again. See, to me, I'm like, there's no way. 
That team has no interest in my health. That team has no interest in me. That team has pushed me aside easily and, and gave a, a huge contract to a creep, kind of a slap in the face to me. I would I would sit until another team came calling and said, you know, hey, I'm good to go. I, I can throw the ball. I can run. I can do everything I used to do. I'd rather go to another team and get a fresh start with a, a contract that's based on a lot of incentives and then additional down the road versus go back and play for that crappy organization. Who knows if even, let's say, uh, say medical help. Say you go to get medical help from the team doctor. Who even knows if the the medical advice you get is going to be correct? You know, you would almost have to carry a, your own guy and get second opinions on everything if you go down with another injury because they don't have your best interest at hand. You know, you would probably have to go see another guy or two, another doctor or two, um, to make sure that what they're telling you is the truth because nobody in that organization gives two dams about you. So I don't know if I'm Baker Mayfield. I, I, I may hedge my bets. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't think I uh, want to go back to that organization. In the meantime, last week, the U S house committee on oversight and reform, um, said that they would subpoena the commander's owner, Daniel Snyder, to testify at a deposition this week. Snyder, according to a committee spokesperson, has refused to accept service of the subpoena. In a new statement, spokesperson for Snyder responded and said that the owner's attorney is currently out of the country, which is why Snyder did not attend the hearing. Uh, That's according to Daryl Lincoln of the Total Pro Sports Report. So... The U.S. subpoena, they are trying to bring Daniel Snyder back to testify before the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Carolyn Maloney wants his ass there on Capitol Hill. In the meantime, Daniel Snyder, um, that they're, they're out of the country. They're doing something on, on Washington commander's business out of the country, which I don't know what the hell they're doing out of the country unless you're on some kind of a speaking engagement in London to talk about the upcoming season or something, or I I can't imagine the NFL officially is using Daniel Snyder for anything at this point. It seems like, as people start to raise an eyebrow to this, that um, he does not, he he may never be brought to, uh, to Capitol Hill before it's all said and done. Now, they have more ability down the road if they demand that he come back and demand that he sits on Capitol Hill, I guess. But um, the uh, the spokesperson for Snyder says, Mr. Snyder has not refused to uh, appear for the deposition. The committee offered the only one date. And Mr. Snyder's attorney is out of the country and unavailable on that date. Mr. Snyder's lawyer has provided alternative dates to the committee and looks forward to finding a path forward for Mr. Snyder's further cooperation and the addre- and to address the remaining due process concerns. But yet, they're trying to serve a subpoena, and he's not taking it. He's hiding right now. So, are you allowed that, to do that? Like, are you allowed to just say, "Oh, you want to give me a subpoena?" Nah, that's fine. Um, if you don't have it in your hand, you technically have not accepted it. I don't. If there's a lawyer out no. there can, can explain it to me, let me know. But, um, the. The subpoena service, if they come up and say, Mr. Daniel Snyder, and he says, nope, and walks away, they can't 
serve him with those papers. You can't physically assault the man by shoving it into his hand. So when you refuse service, um, you technically have not been served with a subpoena. That I do know. So I don't know if that's what he's doing or if he's been just in such hiding that they can't get to him through his minions of people. When you're, you know, look, when you're, when you've got money, you got to go through people and people aren't accepting it because it has to be placed in his hand or in his representation's hand. Because as an attorney, you are technically uh, an officer of the court. You have to abide. If you are given the subpoena for your client, you have to then compel your client to appear. So I, I don't know about the details of the rest of that, but if they don't physically put it in your hand as an individual, technically you have not been served. Huh. So when so, when would it become a situation where he would actually have to go or he would be arrested or faced with legal action? Either his either his either his attorney would be served or he would be served, and if he does not then appear, then there can be a warrant put out for his arrest. But you can't be arrested just because they did not serve you. Because technically you can say, I did not know what was inside the subpoena. Technically. It's a technicality. I don't know. I know that, but it is what it is. It's it's the protection of the innocence rights in our in our court system. And if I'm if I'm misstating that, please, if you're an attorney out there, let me know. But I I believe that's what it is. I could be I could be wrong on a detail or two, but uh, I believe that's what it is. Uh, only the only reason I somewhat know that is years ago I was covering um, when I was doing news, and this goes God, this goes back to like ninety three, ninety four. I was covering a case in Cincinnati where um, it was a uh, official of a large company, and there was like this I team investigation and such, and uh, this official. Um, was exposed as they were changing um, these giant pieces of machine equipment. They were changing this, and um, they were saying it was made in America when technically it wasn't, but they were putting labels on it that said made in America. And what happened was one of the employees knew what was going on and at the time had taken a video camera to work and got video of this and of this particular person. And anyway, uh, he was going to be subpoenaed to come and testify for, I guess, fraud or whatever. I don't know what the charges were. But I do remember that this guy took off and they tried to to give him a subpoena. Uh, And I can't remember where. It wasn't at an airport, but it was at a place where you would clearly know who the guy was because he couldn't get through the maybe it was an airport but you knew who he was because of the id that he had to get on the plane or get on a bus whatever he was doing but they technically didn't serve him they didn't put a piece of paper in his hand and he ended up like taking off for a while until he was finally served wherever his attorney caught up with him i guess but but that that's the only thing i remember from that case i can't remember what the name of the company was May, May, Maersk, Mazurk, something like that. I can't remember. Uh, 877-867-1670. That's a whole lot of legality right there. And again, if you're an attorney and I'm wrong on this, please call. I will be happy to acquiesce to somebody who's uh, studied this and graduated 
law and knows more about it than I do. But I think that's what it is. No, I think um, it's I, I think it's interesting too because I mean you look at these situations playing out at the same time. I wonder mm-hmm. how much the NFL will want to come down harder on Watson to have that good PR story going around the ether while this Dan Snyder thing probably never gets resolved. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I I got to think, just my opinion, I got to think that the NFL is salivating and the owners are salivating right now at getting Daniel Snyder on Capitol Hill. If they believe he is indeed stealing from them, and, I, I mean, the rumor is that there's a lot of guys, that, a lot of people that just don't like Daniel Snyder. They just thought he was, a, you know, a Myron, you know, just just a nerdy piece of crap that bought a team. And he has not, not done anything really good for the franchise. He's not done anything really good for the NFL. Uh, he's been more of a black eye. And there's some people that just want him out. So I got to think that some of these owners are sitting there saying, please serve this guy, please get this guy on Capitol Hill so he can be exposed. And then they can go ahead and begin proceedings to maybe remove him from his franchise. But that's also, it's not precedent setting, but it is, it is few and far between that the NFL would force you to sell your team or sell your shares of a team and give up the controlling uh, uh, day-to-day of a team. Few and far between. But I got to think that they want Daniel Snyder out. Uh, even probably more so than they want Jimmy Haslam out. Just just my opinion, but just because he's been such a black eye on the NFL and all that we ever hear about is protect the shield, protect the shield, protect the shield. Do what's right, protect the shield. And this guy's been nothing but a dirtbag, rumored dirtbag, alleged dirtbag ever since he came into the league. Uh, eight seven seven. Go back to when he was... You know, when Joe Gibbs came back to run the team and Joe Gibbs finally said, I've had it. This guy's a train wreck. This guy won't stay out of my business. This guy thinks he knows everything. This guy's meddling with players. This guy's meddling with cheerleaders. And Joe Gibbs said, I got to get out of here. You know, Um, who was the uh, who was the other? uh, I think it was the former Broncos coach. That uh, that went there as well. And said the same thing that he was just a, he was a uh, just he was a train wreck, and so they wanted him out then. So I think for a long time there's a lot of guys in the league that wanted him gone. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Want to hit us up? Do it. Hey, a great place, and I talk about him all the time. That's our friends at Quick Trip. Quick Trip, I've been telling you about for a long, long time. They uh, not only are they right here in our community, and they continue to grow, continue to expand, continue to get better, but they are also uh, an asset to the community in many different ways because you got Dairy Days going on right now. And uh, they are participating in that. So you pick up some of the dairy products that they have, and they do a lot of their own stuff, by the way. Uh, you get registered with quick rewards for money that they're giving away all throughout this, uh, all throughout the summer months. Obviously, we're giving away the 2022 Chevy Camaro SS coming up on Sunday because they continue to do many, many things right here in our area. Uh, also, like I mentioned, the Dairy Days with the cool savings on Nature's Touch Milk, the ice cream, the butter, uh, the cheese curds. Quick Trip, they are your home for great dairy savings in so many different ways. And June is National Dairy Month. And Quick, Quick Trip celebrating the Dairy Days all the way through today. 
So stop in, get the Nature's Touch uh, non-fat milk, 1%, 2%, all $2.99 a gallon. It's that simple from your friends at Quick Trip. And don't forget, use your Quick Rewards card. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. you're looking for uh, hockey gear today the milwaukee admirals have their annual sale going on all the stuff that they uh, use throughout the season it's on sale at the uw panther arena and if you're uh, looking for some of the stuff go for all the details by the way go to milwaukeeadmirals.com that's milwaukeeadmirals.com but uh, if you're a hockey enthusiast an admirals enthusiast um maybe you're looking for sticks or pucks or helmets whatever uh they've got it all game use stuff they've got jerseys they've got uh pictures autographed non-autographed so much stuff that they uh, accumulate throughout the season and they sell it all off every year they have like a garage sale so the milwaukee admirals uh, garage sale going on right now check it out at milwaukeeadmirals.com that is milwaukeeadmirals.com yeah it was mike shanahan because you had joe gibbs he came back for a couple of years then it was jim zorn remember then Mike Shanahan, and Mike Shanahan just flat out couldn't work with him. He was he was the same way. Joe Gibbs is like, this is a train wreck. Uh, and Joe Gibbs took over after Steve Spurrier left. Remember, that was a train wreck because you had Marty Schottenheimer prior to that. Um, and you go all the way back and you look at Shanahan. Then it was Jay Gruden. That was a train wreck. And remember, Jay Gruden got canned in 2019. John Gruden took offense to it for what was being said about the uh, then Washington Redskins, now Washington Commanders. Then you had Bill Callahan for a year, now Ron Rivera for the last couple of years. And, and God, Ron Rivera is one of the more upstanding guys in the National Football League. And he's just trying to kind of fight through the forest right now. There's so much coming at the Washington Commanders and so much angst towards them. And he's just trying to get through this. So, do you remember the coaching staff that Shanahan had in 2013 there in Washington? Um, no, I don't. Or all the chatter that they've had since about it. It was Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive yeah. coordinator, now obviously 49ers head coach, Matt LaFleur, quarterbacks coach, now obviously with the Packers, and Sean McVay, who was the tight ends coach then. That's right. That's right. And then they all left and they gave Jay Gruden the job. That's right. I forgot about that. Hmm. I forgot all about that. Yeah, they had quite the uh, quite the group there. Man, when you think about all that talent. And again, you know, D- Daniel Snyder was a train wreck. They just... <laughs> they just... Didn't want that guy in the locker rooms. He was he was a complete meddler, and he wouldn't let coaches coach. And now you know that he had his hands in everything, just by listening to what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't, you know, even his hands on himself apparently. Uh, but when you talk about what uh, what some of the videos and stuff that were shot regarding the cheerleader uh, photo shoots and video shoots and such, but God, what a, what a bevy of talent! And the fact that they have not been able to win, they've made continued mistakes. They've tried to buy players, and it's failed. 
They've tried to bring in certain players, and it's failed. Remember RG3? Snyder went down and told him how great he was and sat in his locker with him, and the whole time the coach is like, dude's not showing up to practice, dude's not showing up to meetings, he's he's doing a lot of things that he shouldn't be doing, and Snyder's like okaying it. It started to cause dissension in the locker room. The coach tried to say, knock it off. He's just, he, he's just a jock sniffer with money. That's what he is. And uh, whatever he did to get his money via business, he has been an absolute awful owner. And uh, then that stadium, that new FedEx field, that FedEx field is the tweener. There's always a tweener or two right between the time that some of the older stadiums start to get the upgrades. And then when they get upgrades, people say, okay, we don't want to do it like that. Let's do it like this. And then that becomes the standard, much like, say, AT&T Stadium, the the renovation of Lambeau Field, some of these new stadiums that have gone up. You look at the stadium out in L.A., you look at the stadium in Vegas, how they continue to expand and continue to cater to the suites, continue to cater to uh, certain things for certain fans, large, giant screens. Everything's fan-friendly, where FedEx Field was one of the first. It was the tweener stadium. And it became outdated almost immediately. Um, There's a couple of stadiums in baseball that were like that. Uh, The Atlanta Braves Stadium in Fulton County. They got that new stadium not that long ago. And it it became completely outdated almost immediately. Uh, Chicago, the White Sox Stadium. When they tore down Comiskey and they built a new stadium, it it became – they did it too quick. They didn't do it with enough amenities. And it's not nearly as charming as some of the other stadiums that have been built. There's those tweener stadiums, and even that tweener stadium of of the old JFK going into the new FedEx field, that was even uh, somewhat of a train wreck. So, no, I I, I get it. Um, the uh, let's do this. Uh, we'll, we'll come back after the bottom of the hour, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the. Uh, uh, Kurt Hogg wrote an article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about ten potential targets for the Milwaukee Brewers at the trade deadline, and I want to go through the list of names. And, and give me a yay or nay. Would you want this particular player in the, uh, in the organization? Would you want them to trade for this particular guy? Because there's numerous names. Uh, there's numerous bats that are here um, uh, that I think are interesting. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of arms in there as well. Couple of arms in there as well, so we we'll want to get into that discussion. So when we come back, we'll talk about uh, whether or not uh, you would want to see any of these uh, list of players come into the Brewers organization. And um, the uh, Packer fan says Fulton County. I said the one that was in Fulton County, not Fulton County Stadium. Turner Field, yes, but it was built in Fulton County. Correct. Thank you very much for correcting what I'd already said correctly to begin with. Listen closely. Um, but we'll talk about these 10 potential targets for the Milwaukee Brewers and if you would want to see them uh, on uh, the Brewers roster. And uh, then again, you got to think about what you're going to give up for them as well. And what do the Brewers actually need as the trade deadline continues to approach? Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And if you're looking for new windows, if you're thinking about new doors, an entry system, patio doors, whatever it happens to be, think Pella. And here's the reason why. Because one... They're just awesome doors, okay, for lack of a better term. They're just really, really, it's a great product, okay? Number two would be uh, they have all kinds of different uh, financing options uh, if you need, if you do indeed need to have your, you know, it fit your budget, as simple as that. 
Uh, so they have different financing options. They have different interiors, exteriors, uh, different size windows. Uh, it's not one cookie-cutter window. Plus, they have different styles of windows, which is the best part about it. So if you're looking for, say, uh, a new window to fit uh, you know, just a, a rental property, well, you maybe go with the more economical vinyl windows. They still work great. But maybe you go with the economical. Maybe you go with Impervia. Or maybe you're going to upgrade your home and you want to add value to your home. You beautify it with the wood windows. Three different styles of wood windows. Different screens. Different uh, a slider window versus a crank window. Different hardware. They have so much going on. It's rare to find a deal like this on a premium brand. Right now, Pella windows, you can get them installed in your home and pay 0% interest for four years. And if you prefer to skip the financing, you get 250 bucks off Per window, if you're upgrading to Pella's innovative Easy Slide series, take 400 bucks off per window. So don't miss out. Zero percent financing, four years right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. You can check them out at PellaWI.com. You can set up your free in-home consultation. PellaWI.com. That's PellaWI.com. Or call them simply 855 Pella WI. That's 855 Pella. WI 855-PELLA-WI. Give him a shout. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You got to hit it, bang it, rock it. Hopefully you're enjoying your day. The Brewers, uh, they're in Tampa Bay. Uh, But the biggest question is, what are they going to do come the trade deadline? We're going to look at some of the targets for the Milwaukee Brewers, potential targets for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, coming up here momentarily. Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, the Midwest, we are not pretentious. We are not snooty, at least those of us who live in Wisconsin, maybe to the south of the border. There's a little bit of that going on, maybe a lot of bit of that going on. But here, not maybe not. We just enjoy certain things. We enjoy good beverage. We enjoy fires outside. We enjoy good weather. We enjoy boating, the Northwoods. We enjoy motorcycling, all that kind of stuff. And uh, going along with it, at the end of the day, when you want to just kind of sit back, relax, and unwind, whatever it may be, it's Forgotten Fire Winery. ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Up in Peshtigo. And I just saw that uh, they've just had a couple of posts on Facebook where they've got music coming up on the weekends, and they got a big 4th of July weekend obviously coming up. If you're looking for an event, maybe a wine tasting, a place to take the gang, whether it's bachelor, bachelorette party, whatever it happens to be, uh, up there, Forgotten Fire Winery in Peshtigo, Wisconsin, and all the different wines. Now, they have award-winning wines. It's not like they're they're just a party joint. They have award-winning wines. They just don't necessarily sit back and say, oh, yeah, so look at our medals. That's not what they are, man. No, nay, nay. They have all kinds, reds, whites, dessert wines, ciders. They've got it all. And uh, if you don't go to Peshtigo to pick them up and to taste them and to see them for yourself, stop into a local grocery store, liquor store, wine store, ask for it by name. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. That's ForgottenFireWinery.com. Ten potential targets for the Milwaukee Brewers as the trade deadline approaches, according to Kurt Hogg of the uh, Journal Sentinel. And we all know it's still more than a month away. August 2nd, 
But the divide, as he puts it, between which teams are going to be buyers and which teams are going to be sellers already has started to become very clear. It should be as no surprise the Brewers will be buyers as they enter a week, the, the week, atop the National League Central, one game ahead of the Cardinals, where the Brewers choose to add to their roster. However, that we remains a question at this point. So, whether it's a starting rotation, a bat, both, we'll have to wait and see. Trey Mancini, the first baseman slash outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. Mancini, a great story, beating cancer to come back to baseball last year. No doubt a fan favorite in Baltimore. So even though he's a free agent at the season's end, he's got a $10 million mutual option, by the way. That's going to be declined. Um, would the Orioles trade him? If they do, they would get quite a nice haul. Mancini batting 285 with an on-base percentage of 364, 427 slugging percentage. He's got uh, the um, 127 more. Um, so would you want to see Mancini in the split time between first base, DH, and uh, both corners in the outfield so far this year? The Brewers are not in any need of an upgrade over at first base with Roddy Telez pretty much playing a decent position on an everyday basis. We had Craig Council on last week. We talked about Rowdy. For the power numbers that he's putting up, the money that he's actually being paid, and the fact that he's been somewhat of a surprise defensively better than expected, do you have to go in that direction? So, Ben, I'm going to ask you, yay or nay on Trey Mancini? I mean, he's a fine player. He'd help. I don't really think that moves the needle. The Brewers do need guys to crush lefties. But I don't know, as you mentioned, I don't know if a platoon at first base is necessary with what Teles has been able to do. So, uh, yeah, he'd help the lineup. He's having a good season. He's a good hitter. But I, it doesn't really, that doesn't make the difference for me. What about Benintendi, Benintendi uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, the outfielder for the Kansas City Royals, uh, free agent at the end of the year, best offensive season since 2018. He's coming off of a gold glove year. Uh, you can move him around. He's batting 299, 366 on base percentage, 391 slugging percentage so far this year. Uh, the question for the Brewers is, can he play center field? A spot that he has not appeared in, in since 2019. And if not, how would he then fit into Milwaukee's outfield if they would end up picking him up? But he is one hell of a bat and he's having a huge season for the Royals. But be caution because this is not the norm for him. It's his best season since 2018, but he is coming off of the Gold Glove campaign last year. Yeah, Grant Bills and I had talked about this last week. I mean, he'd bring a good glove. He has had a good season at the plate, but I feel like there are going to be so many teams going after him that the price is going to be elevated a bit too high. I'm kind of out on him. He he had one really good season in Boston in 2018 when he hit 290, and he bursts on the scene this year. It's 373 in the month of April, and and then May he carried that over. But I mean, since then he's he's been okay. He's been pedestrian. I think the price would be too high. I don't think him like Mancini. I don't think that really does it. And he also is not great against lefties. The Josh Bell scenario, the first baseman slash DH. From the Washington Nationals, he's in the midst of a career year, 303 batting average, 386 on on base percentage, 487 slugging, 11 homers. He's not a good defender. Was a poor defender early on in his career. And uh, he's improved during his last uh, couple of years with the Nationals, but still not great. Uh, The equation for the Brewers to consider is this. Bell is likely to be one of the top five best rental bats available. So the price, kind of steep. 
He would no doubt be an upgrade into the lineup as an everyday player, but how much, how much so over Andrew McCutcheon or Hunter Renfro? And then whose spot would he replace at DH against the right-handed pitching? Is that a trade-off? Uh, is that a trade-off Milwaukee is willing to make? It seems unlikely, but the Brewers have gotten creative before in terms of roster construction via trades under the uh, uh, under David Stearns. Now, remember, he can be a DH, and look, nobody in the Brewers is batting three hundred three with that, that kind of a line three hundred three, three eighty six, and forty seven. Nobody is. So, I, I feelings be damned if you bring in a bat like that. You know you're renting them. What's it going to cost you? But if you can bring in a bat that's going to bolster your lineup with those kind of numbers and 11 home runs, you might have to really cons- seriously consider that, right? Yeah, that's a bat that's good enough. Even with the price and with the defensive liability that he would be, that's a bat you consider. I mean, that switch hitter hits for power. Like with Ben Attendee, he only has three homers this year. It wouldn't really be pushing the needle with the power. Bell would bring that. He's a difference maker at the plate. It's one of those bats that late in the season, you would just figure it out on defense and figure it mm-hmm. out where you throw guys. He would be the guy I'd go after. Uh, then there's C.J. Cron, the first baseman slash designated hitter coming out of Colorado. We've talked about him before. Uh, since 2018, he is eighth among all Major League Baseball first basemen in home runs. He's got 104. His offensive production has been consistent. Uh, over his last four seasons in war and OPS and such. He's uh, got the type of power that would instantly upgrade the Brewers' offense. He would fit the Brewers' roster in a manner similar to Bell. He and Rowdy Telez both could play against righties, uh, with Cron playing first and Telez sitting against lefties. Uh, he signed a two-year, $14.5 million deal with Colorado this past offseason, so perhaps the Rockies won't move him, but they would be wise, however. They are sitting in the cellar right now, the NL West. They're not going to, at any time soon, be a contender there. They've got an uphill uh, battle for com- uh, competitiveness again. So would he be a guy that you would consider, C.J. Cron out of Colorado? Yeah, he would. I, where I struggle here is like the big impact you would have to make is in center field. That would be the one glaring hole where you could bring a guy in. The whole thing with him and Telez at first base would be tough but he does bring a bat that would help enough. Let's do this. Got some more to get to. Yay or nay on any of these. If you want to chime in, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670, as we start to go through this list that may be available for the garnering if indeed the price is right. Would you bring any of these players into the Brewers organization? Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show to get to. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. We continue to look at possible candidates to come into the Brewers organization. Going to get back into that momentarily. Hey, a, a great call. If you're looking for a job, apparently the workforce has changed and employers are uh, looking for good help. Uh, but now that uh, prices are going up and people are going, uh, you know what? I don't think I can sit back, relax anymore. I got to go out and uh, find myself a job and or career. Great place to work. They pay extremely well. They have good benefits and 
They want to help you along. If you want to further your career and or open your own company someday, they're there to help you. And that is Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L.com, a quality machining and manufacturing company right here in the state of Wisconsin. And if you're a, a company looking to do business with somebody like Pindell, I'd highly recommend it uh, because they're just good people over there. They do stuff worldwide. But uh, there's no sense in looking around the world if you're right here in your own backyard. And so get a hold of our friends at Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L dot com. That is Pindell dot com. And, uh, and check it out for yourself because uh, whether it's a job, a career, or a company you want to work with, uh, good people over there. Good people over there at Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L dot com. So we continue to take a look uh, around the rest of Major League Baseball as to who may or may not be available or who may or may not be somebody that could come into the Brewers organization and help this team. Brian Reynolds, the center fielder out of Pittsburgh. Now this, Ben, seems a little more attainable if you trade within your division with the loss of Lorenzo Cain, struggling to the point of being DFA'd. Reynolds right now, the career 125 WRC. Uh, as a hitter, he's batting 254, 328, and 449. He's a, he, really the top center fielder who could potentially be on the market this summer. The Athletic reported that the Brewers made a, quote, big-time offer for Reynolds before the deadline last year, and it did not come to fruition. What the Pirates do with Reynolds at the trade deadline this year remains a question. He remains under team control through 2025. Now, this is a guy that you want because of, quote, the team control. And Pittsburgh may view him as a part of their young core and also feature Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz and such. Or it's entirely possible the Pirates acquire a haul for him with his value being so high. And according to sources, Pirates have engaged in discussions about trading Reynolds recently. But at least as for right now, the Brewers aren't heavily involved. Now, the Reynolds has limited say right now in where he ends up landing if Pittsburgh opts to trade him. Uh, but the source indicated Reynolds would have preferred Milwaukee or Tampa Bay if indeed the trade had gone down. Would he be a guy, would Brian Reynolds fill the bill if you're Pittsburgh deciding to trade within a division to the Brewers? And uh, would you want Reynolds to come into the organization as your new center fielder? So the more I think about this one, the more I like it. This is a guy kind of with the Benatendi mold of one great season, and then we don't know whether to believe it. In 2021, he hit above 300, 24 homers, was an all-star. And then this year he comes in, he was hitting 200 on May 1st and only 220 on June 1st. Horrific start to the year. But mm -hmm. in the month of June, he's hitting up to 320. He brings you power you wouldn't really expect when you would look at the frame. I mean, yeah, he fits the center field. The thing is, how much do you have to give up and would the Pirates actually trade him in division but he checks every box of a guy that could help the team. It's one of those, like, with Crone as well. Can you get a guy that is instantly one of, if not your best hitter? Because otherwise, it's like, what are we really doing? They have a lot of guys that are hitting around the same level right now. I think his right. bat adding him to the lineup does that. Uh, the other guy that uh, is being talked about is Brandon Drury, uh, the third baseman and second baseman from Cincinnati. Uh, he's, he's hit 15 home runs in the division and he's got an 851 OPS in 61 games. They say he barrels up the ball consistently without swinging and missing uh, all that often. Uh, would the Reds trade him within division? Don't know. Uh, but a free agent uh, after the end of the season, they'd be wise to get something in return for him. And uh, a few teams could 
probably deploy him a little bit better than Milwaukee could because it is somewhat of a crowded infield. How would he fit in? But he would add a bat if you decided to go in that direction. Would you want to see uh, the Brewers go after Brandon Drury out of Cincinnati? I same lines as the other guys. I mean, his OPS would be instantly the best on the team. And that was also after a pretty bad start to the year. If they can get him I, for a good enough price, I'd be into it. It's just weird with the third base position. Cause I mean, the Brewers right now have so many guys that can play it. Just none are hitting well enough to go right. uh, and take that role day to day. I would like it. It wouldn't move the needle as much as say Josh Bell or Crone right. or Reynolds. Uh, there's Candelario, the third baseman out of Detroit. Uh, if there's a buy low candidate on the market among hitters this summer, it's Candelario, the former Cubs prospect, uh, an 814 OPS, uh, was worthy of roughly five war wins above replacement over a 162 game pace, uh, game pace between 2020 and 2021. This season though, he struggled. He's hitting 187, 237 on base, 313 with a walk-off rate from last year cut in half. He strikes out more. He may be playing himself into being a non-tender candidate in his final year of arbitration. Uh, it's always something tantalizing, though, about a player who has shown ability at the big league level. Maybe you put him in a greener pasture. Maybe you put him back in the division. Maybe you put him back in the ballparks that are friendly. And maybe those numbers begin to jump. Would you want to see them go after Candelario for a very low price? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those you could just throw a dart and hope it works out. Um, I had him on my fantasy team six years ago, and he came yeah. out hot and helped me win the league. So, yeah, I like <laughs> him a lot. He did, though. He then, did lead the league in doubles last season, which is significant. Well, they don't have a lot of doubles on this team. Not a lot of extra bases. It's been more home runs and strikeouts. Uh, it's it's either all or nothing, more often than not, for the Brewers. Then there's Anthony Bass, the righty, uh, righty out of uh, Miami. Trying to figure out which relievers the Brewers would add at the deadline. Uh, it's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard at this point. But there's Anthony Bass out of Miami. He's uh, pitched to a 180 ERA in 30 games this year. A workhorse for the Marlins. Excellent underlying metrics as well. Uh, he excels at weak contact while also missing bats and getting swings out of the strike zone. He's got a $3 million team option, option for next year. Uh, there's Willie Peralta, the righty from Detroit. Brewers fans, put your pitchforks down. They say, hear this out. It's been more than five years since the former Brewers' top prospect, who made 120 starts with the team, appeared in the Milwaukee uniform after not pitching in 2020. He has resurfaced with the Tigers and has pitched extremely well to the bullpen with a 191 ERA in 28 and a half innings. There's also Chris Flexen, the righty out of Seattle. Um, he, uh, from Justin Verlander to Zach Granke to Max Scherzer, they've seen you know moved over the last five years at the deadline they've moved a lot of guys frankie montoyas or montas i should say luis castillo arguably the top two arms that could be moved though it's unlikely the brewers would be motivated to trade for them but uh, two months ago it would have been lunacy to suggest that they trade for a starter but now with freddie peralta out for an extended period of time aaron ashby saw on the il would that be and adrian hauser struggling would that be something the Brewers should consider? So you've got all these guys that are out there. Any one of those pitchers entice you at all? Every reliever, the answer is yes. I, okay. Like every year, they're going to need to add a bit in the bullpen. But that's really true with every contender. In terms of starters, I've been talking about Frankie Montas for a little bit. The price is going to be high, but especially with where the rotation is health-wise, and depending on what Woodruff looks like and whether the finger stuff is all good, I still would go after a starter. 
Like this, mm-hmm. this rotation, Eric Lauer, after a hot start to the year, has really fallen off. Burns is Burns. But aside from that, I mean, they're going through this season with Jason Alexander and Chichi Gonzalez starting every, what, like three out of every seven games. When it comes to the postseason, unless Freddie Peralta miraculously is back to close to full strength when October comes, I think they need help in the starting rotation. And, I mean, yeah, the offense probably isn't good enough either. But really, since this conversation has started, I've been on the I've been on the they need a starter train more than anything. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to what they do. So I've given you all the different scenarios that are out there, all the different ones. Brentley said I've been uh, on the uh, got to get Brian Reynolds train for over a week now. Got to give up whatever to get him, in my opinion. Brantley says. So is there somebody there that trips the trigger, Brewers fans? 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670, any one of those guys. Thoughts? Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.